Oh, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the 209 Till Infinity Podcast. CD Slap. Coming to you live from beautiful Series, California, home of the Infinity Studios. Get it, Savage. It's Monday morning, the pod is dropped. Cue up the new soap and the coffee pot. You know these cats got a lot to say. Savage O'Malley and Billy A. Yep. Hip hop life and movies too. Keeping up on the trends just like you. CD slaps hooked up with this funky beat. Oh, you know the boys, we love to eat. Grub it. It's all part of the show. We love to bring to your earbuds hell. We even sing. Mm-hmm. So sit back, relax, enjoy the show. And like Biggie said, now you know Do you need a break and escape just to ease your mind? Well look no further than your homies in the 209 Because it's time to lose all those blues that got you stressed out Give us one hour and you know we'll knock that mess out The best route is music, movies, laughter, and friends The conversation's starting, y'all jump on Come in on. And you know it won't stop, you know it don't end That's why we call it 209 till infinity, my friend The party don't stop, the party don't end That's why we call it 209 till infinity, my friend The party don't stop, the party don't end That's why we call it 209 till infinity, friend. The party don't stop, the party don't end. Now let's let the episode begin. What up, what up, what up, and welcome to yet another episode of the 209 Till Infinity podcast, coming to you live from Infinity Studios here in beautiful, silly, silly, here in beautiful, silly California, because we just silly up in this mother, here in beautiful series California, as always, you know who it is, it's your boy DJ Billy A, and across the way from me, is my big homie, the one and only. Tell him what's up, my dude. What up, what up, what up? It is Yeah Boy, aka Savage O'Malley, aka Big Skis, aka. Right? <laughs> the Oracle. Yes, there you go. Yeah. AKA Sleepy Hollow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. AKA Suckerfish Sav. Yes. Which is uh, one that I just told somebody about the other day. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because he was like, man, I feel like every time something goes shitty, you fucking cash in. And I was like, that's funny. I have a nickname about that. <laughs> Suckerfish Sav. That's yeah. funny. Oh, yeah, brother. So, what's up, man? How you doing? You good? Uh, Well, I'll tell you how I'm doing, sir. Please. I'm feeling very... Weathery. You're feeling weathery. Yeah. yeah. Let me tell you why, bro. <laughs> Not leathery. No, no. Weathery. I, w- when we sat in the kitchen yeah. fucking four plus years ago, yeah. talked about this podcast. Yeah. We were like, oh, we love music. Let's talk about music. Right. We probably talk about the weather. Yes. And food more than we talk about any <laughs> of the music. Yeah. Well, we learned really quickly as we started is there would be a catch up. Every episode would start with a catch-up, where we would kind of talk about what we've been doing, what's going on with our lives. And I think we realized pretty quickly that the catch-up was starting to overtake the episode. And uh, and and that was what people 
because let's be honest, who's listening to the show is our family and friends. So our family and friends are going to respond more to us talking about our personal lives and things that are going on with our pets and our diets and our family and our holidays and the food we're eating and the trips we're taking. They're going to respond more to that than us reviewing the latest Ice Cube album. Yeah, my mom's not going to give a shit about that. I don't think my mom listens anyway. But, you know, if she did, she would not care about that. Now, I will say... I'm pretty sure the only time my sisters ever listened to the podcast is when we did our top 10 Eminem songs. So there is something about Eminem. Marshall does bring people out because uh, I don't think she listened before and I don't think she's listened since, but she did click in on that episode. But yeah, man, I think uh, us going in on on our personal lives and how we're feeling and what we're going through and yeah, what's happening yeah. mm-hmm. is what, what people connect, is what they're connecting to. For sure. You want to know what grinds my gears, Bill? Yes, I do. That's And so, apparently, do our listeners. Yes. I hate to be old man, get off my lawn guy. Okay, yeah. But you're gonna. <sighs> Did you know that they have a fucking pitch clock in baseball now? A pitch clock? Yeah. No, like, I don't even know what that is. That means that... There's 20 seconds in between pitches. Okay. Nobody can step out of the box. You got to go. You got to go. You got to go. Okay. They're changing the the fabric of the game. Okay. That I love. Okay. And it's not a, like, remember when somebody slid into Buster Posey and broke his ankle? Yes. And they changed the rule. You can't hit people at home anymore. Yes, I do remember Fine. that. Safety. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. I get it. Yeah. Very similar to the hockey conversation we just had. Yeah, yeah, They absolutely. changed the game for player safety. Everywhere you look, it's safety, safety. Right. Fine. Can't run people over anymore and destroy catchers that aren't ready. Right. We grew up playing baseball that way, but fine, safety. I get it. This is changing the fabric of the game Yeah. for me. What's the purpose of it? I'll tell you why. Because baseball's a dying sport. Okay. And the reason that baseball's a dying sport is because football is boom, 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 boom. Right. Basketball is go, 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 go. Right. Baseball is slow and methodical. The younger generation, that doesn't fly with them. Okay. So they're trying to change the game to bring more people in so that it's not a dying sport. So with this pitch clock, they're thinking it's going to speed up the game, pick up the pace, and holds people's attention. Younger people's attention. Correct. The problem is you're changing the game for people that don't give a shit about the game. Right. Only to alienate the people that are still here. Right. Absolutely. And that drives the fucking shit out of me. Yeah, that's bullshit. It drives... It drives me crazy. Drives you crazy and bugs the shit out. It doesn't drive the shit out of me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's Taco Bell. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, I really am constipated. We're going to need to watch some baseball here. That just drove the shit right out of me. I tell you what. (laughs) Yeah, man. So the pitch clock. So. They're, they basically what's happening then because I'm I'm not the most sports savvy. You're our, you're our, I resident. I you're our resident sports expert. I I look to you. So what they they are they're on the clock. They only have so much time in between pitches now. They got yes. they can't think. They can't wait for the sign. Right. They they only have so much time. What was it? It was twenty seconds before you said. Well, sir, let me tell you. Yeah, let's let's hear it. The that. pitch clock is a device that counts the time for a pitcher to deliver the ball to the batter. The goal is to cut out as much downtime as possible. Okay. The clock will be 30 seconds between hitters, 15 seconds with the bases empty, and 20 seconds with the bases occupied. Okay. The pitcher must start his motion to pitch by the expiration of the clock. Okay. The catcher must be in his box and ready with nine seconds left. 
Good thing the catchers are mostly white, because if you said the catcher better be in his box, we'd have a racial situation. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, with nine seconds left or 10 seconds on the timer. So the catcher's got to be in the box with it already, like can't even get out of the box. Right. The hitter must have both feet in the box and be alert to the pitcher within eight seconds of the clock starting. So if there's 20 seconds, they have to be in the box and ready to go by 12 seconds. Hmm. A violation by the pitcher is an automatic ball. A violation by the hitter is an automatic strike. Oh, Jesus. Hey, just like the beautiful game we grew up with, right? Yeah. Yeah, because that's some of the, that's what adds to the tension. Like, you know, bases loaded, three balls, two strikes, and that pitcher stands there and he's staring down that batter and he's shaking off, you know, the catcher's throwing the signs and he's nodding and nodding and nodding and nodding. And there's that tension where what the fuck is going to happen here? What, what are we doing? So they're eliminating that. And I think if people who really pay attention to the game and love the game, i.e. older folks like us, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's clearly pissing you off. It's going to piss a lot of baseball fans off. And as you said, it's a dying sport. Let, let me this just, ain't going to help. Let me just tell you this. I have been really soured on baseball since about 2015, 2016. Mm -hmm. um, after the Giants beat the Royals, and then after, I can't remember who won it in 2015, and I apologize. Uh, it's it's probably the Cardinals or something that's going to piss off OU Nasty. But, yeah. <laughs> um, baseball started meddling. And I think they've probably meddled all, all the time. Like, and, by, and by baseball, I mean like front office, that kind of sure. stuff. Like the, yeah. the league. Right. All of a sudden, right? Like, I don't know if you remember, but all of a sudden, like, everyone was hitting 30 homers. The ball was flying out of the right. park, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. And people are like, what is going on? Right? Yeah. And then, like, there was that year that, you know, the Houston Astros and the Dodgers were in the World Series, and every game was like 12 to 8, yeah. 9 to 7. With six home runs. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Right. And here's the thing is, you know how the Astros got caught cheating? Yes. I think, I think that was 2019, maybe 2018. Right. Well, anyway, the year prior, I had read several articles from legitimate um, papers that the Dodgers had got caught cheating, mm -hmm. the Red Sox had got cheating, mm -hmm. the Yankees had got caught cheating, Okay. and they were all reported to the league. Right. Right? Yeah. And the league turned their, turned their, turned their head to it. Why? Okay. Yeah. Because those are big money-making franchises. Yeah. Boston, and New York. Absolutely. Right? That's huge. Huge So markets. then they were all accused of cheating. Right. And then it just kind of went away. Right. Well, the next year, the Astros did it. Well, now the league's got to do something, right? Yeah. So let's bring the hammer down on Houston. Right. And let those big markets get away with it. Yeah. And then remember what happened when they got che cheating? Yep. Very little. Yeah, it wasn't that Very much. little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, hey, you're losing some draft picks yeah uh, and yeah. stop it yeah don't do that again Naughty. Right? kept your championship all that stuff right yeah and then i told people i said look dude that shit happened last year yeah and they let it go because it was the dodgers the yankees and the red sox and people right. were like no you're just being a hater da, 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 da. all right all right this year in spring training mm. mookie betts who's a dodger yeah who was on the red sox admitted they were cheating oh really Okay, yeah. I hadn't heard that. But we weren't doing what the Astros were doing. We were just cheating a different way. Oh, it, that's okay then. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah that's and right. I was like, I sent that to one of my boys. I was like, see, I fucking told you they were cheating. I knew that shit was real. And the league looked the other way. Right. Yeah. Right? And so baseball has been meddling with all this stuff and trying to do all this thing. So it's not the game that I grew up on. No. Right? You look at the Giants, right? You look at their three World Series. Yeah. 
and, and and I'm and I'm saying this right now because, and I'm not saying this because uh, Nick is my boy. Right. To me, yeah. The Giants and the Cardinals, like they play baseball the right way. They are like the Giants won their shit with. De- they they didn't have guys hitting 35, 40 jacks. No, they won off pitching. Pitching and defense. But guess what? Pitching and defense. Unless you're like a hardcore baseball guy, is boring as shit. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It'll bore you to death. You're not a huge baseball guy, like yeah. a huge sports guy. Yeah. That's like, I would sit down and be like totally focused for Greg Maddox outpitching Matt Cain one to nothing in nine innings. Right. In two hours and six minutes. Yeah, yeah. But the majority of the world would be like, this yeah. is boring <laughs> as hell. Yeah, right, right, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I get that, but like, I feel like baseball is like, we need more money. We're dying. We got to start. Yeah. You know, and so they did all this stuff, and like every year, it just gets worse. The home run is what is the money maker and what draws people in. That's why. Well, it was the it was the uh, it was the home runs that brought everybody back to baseball after the strike, right? Mm-hmm. It was when Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were in the race to break the record for the most home runs in a season. That baseball was done then. People were writing off baseball at that point until that happened. And so, and we McGuire knew they were doing steroids and Sosa who were clearly doing steroids, mm-hmm. the league turned a blind eye because absolutely. they brought baseball back. Yes, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And then baseball turned their back on them. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Turned their back on everybody from that era. It's interesting. You'll see interviews with Mark McGuire in the locker room during that era. And there's a couple of shots I've seen, a couple of different videos on like YouTube, where the like whatever pills and shit that he's taken... Andrastine Dion. Yeah, it's on the shelf behind him in his locker. Like, he's not even trying to hide it. Like, it's like right there. Like, right. like I, he'll be like, yeah, you know, hey, I, yeah, I hit a couple home runs today, but I don't think he has a Southern accent. I don't know where that's coming from, but I, <laughs> well, I hit a bunch of home runs today down yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, aren't you from Danville? Just, yeah, totally, man. I love that, man. It's crazy out here, baby. Home runs get to me. But he'd be like, yeah, you know, I hit a couple home runs, but hey, we lost the game, and that's what's really important, and he's trying to be all serious and in the background on the shelf is the fucking roids that he's taken and it's nuts dude like yeah they totally turned a blind eye he wasn't even like trying to hide it it's right there at least barry i don't you never saw any video of barry shooting up or taking pills or any of that like and, and, and like and that's the thing too is like that whole era right yeah like everyone likes to bash and say you know all this stuff right and i, and I have been saying this forever that entire era was cheating Yes. So one way or another. Oh, yeah. There was guys like Keith Lockhart, who were second basemen, who were hitting 23 homers. Right. Yeah. Everyone was cheating. Yeah. Because yeah. that's how you stayed in the league. If you didn't cheat, you weren't in the majors. Right. Uh, which means you weren't getting paid. They said 80 to 90% at one time was doing steroids. Right. And, yeah. and, and, and yes, I'm sure there was some guys that weren't. But look, yeah. pitchers were doing it. Batters were doing oh, it. Oh, yeah. Probably fucking managers were doing it. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, these guys yeah. whoop my well, ass. Why is Dusty so. Baker ripped? Yeah. <laughs> it's looking good. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Uh, that's what grinds my gears, Bill. I can understand, man. Yeah. I, and I will say, um, and I've said it before on this podcast, it's been a while. My son and I went to A's Angels in Anaheim. You, to really appreciate baseball, you've got to be there. There's something about being in that stadium and doing the wave and hearing the da 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 and the, the music and the now batting and the popcorn. Get your popcorn. There's jet. You've got to be there. Watching, yeah, exactly. Baseball on TV is not... 
And I think that's what hurts baseball so much is I think other sports, i.e. basketball, football, hockey, fare much better on television. For me, I, I can't, couldn't even tell you the last time I sat through a full baseball game on TV. But at the stadium, the atmosphere, it's an outing. It's a day. It's a you know a game. A, a full baseball game is, a, a, you know, what is it, four hours, something like that? It's a, it's a full a, baseball game is probably a good three plus. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's an and event. And that's too long for people. Yeah, and it's, for some folks, that's too much. I personally, that's the way I enjoy baseball. Baseball is my second favorite sport to basketball. I, uh, I love I love watching it in the park. Uh, and I think it's sad to hear that baseball is dying out because of short attention spans and and young kids who just don't understand the game and don't appreciate it. Because, uh, you know, I grew up, I played a couple years of Little League, and I, I went down to, you know, Mike Clark Field with my friends and played home run derby. That was my oh. sandlot. That was my sandlot, baby. Mike Clark. Yeah, I went down to Mike Clark, and me and Adam Forte and Sean DeRoe and Matt Sanchez would play home run derby all summer long. And my, my homeboy Adam wanted to be a pitcher, so scary as hell i was his guinea pig so i'd stand up there with a bat while he worked on his pitching and i can't tell you how terrified i was when he would wind up and i didn't know where that ball was going whether it was going to be towards my bat or my head or my balls for that matter hey, yo. <laughs> scary as shit man but i have so many fond memories probably more than basketball of playing baseball all summer long with my friends and walking up to the stage stop uh to get Don Russ baseball cards. Like I think it was 88, 89 when the baseball card craze really hit. And I would scrape and scrounge for change in the couch and walk up to the, I think from my house in Pine Grove behind Mike Clark Field to the stage stop was like a couple of miles and I would walk and dump change and buy a couple of packs of baseball cards and chew that shitty gum and walk, Mm -hmm. break that shit open and just pray that there was a Jose Canseco in there. Or, you know, an Oral Hershiser or a whoever was hot, whatever the hot card was that was going to make me a millionaire later on down the line, which obviously none of them did. Ken Griffey Jr., Kevin Mitchell. Like, oh, my God, man, that was uh, I have so many fond memories of playing baseball and collecting baseball cards and going to A's Angels with my dad. Uh, so many fond memories, as I know you do of baseball with your father i connect baseball with my dad my dad played baseball my dad is from southern california massive dodgers fan so he would tell me about koufax and drysdale i know it's tough man what are you gonna do but i have so many fond memories of baseball in all those facets and all those ways that it, it will always hold a special place in my heart so it hurts to hear that it's suffering because it, it truly is America's game. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's baseball and apple pie, right? I mean, it's, it, it, you don't get much more American than that. Like, um, it's kind of sad, man. It's kind of sad. Cause I, I love it. Uh, especially being there. And I, I wish we had a team closer other than the river cats. Cause I would love to go to games more often and just sit in the bleachers and, and eat food that I shouldn't be eating and drink drinks that I shouldn't be drinking because I'm, trying to be on a diet and just holler for my team man that's that's what's up man that's a it's an experience man. well buddy i'll tell you that's what grinds my gears i can understand that i can understand that grinding your gears hey um let me clear my throat yeah. jump, 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 jump. 
I uh, I don't know if we've been talking a lot about Chris Rock. Did you watch the special? I haven't. Okay. Um, I'm sure you've heard some of the controversy surrounding it. I have. I think um, there's been a lot of people talking about that, and I hadn't really thought about it before. But I, I know this is not really what we're scheduled to talk about today, but how genius of, of it of Chris Rock was it to he gets slapped and embarrassed in front of everyone in the entire world at the Oscars by Will Smith and then he bites his tongue and he doesn't say anything for an entire year and then almost a year to the day of the slap he releases the first ever Netflix live streaming special and he goes in he finally breaks the silence and he goes in on the slap for the last 10 minutes of it. And that went live to like 90 countries, millions and millions of people. It was watched everywhere. And everyone was finally waiting to hear what he had to say. And I hadn't even thought of it like that. I'm like, oh, cool. Chris is gearing up for another special. Awesome. And this time it's going to go out live. Um, I actually didn't see it live. I meant to watch it. I wanted to see it as it streamed live. Cause they did like a little party afterwards, like where people were interviewed and talked to, but I had bought tickets to Creed three and on my way to Creed three, I went, shit, it's Chris rock tonight. I've totally forgot. I go, oh, well I'll watch it after, you know, not live, but, uh, the special was funny. But what's interesting is my wife and I went and saw Chris rock and Dave Chappelle at golden one center. So we saw the warmup backed and it was pretty much what he did at golden one center, pretty much the same special. But it was interesting because um, he tweaked some of the jokes, jokes. He tweaked some of the jokes, changed some of them, and added some more jokes to the special. But I actually thought, and don't get me wrong, the special's hilarious, but I actually thought what he did at Golden One Center was better. It was interesting uh, because I think even though he's such a vet and he's so seasoned and he's been doing this for so long, I think the pressure of being live got to him a bit and and more power to him. He made it through all the way until like the last 10 minutes and he fucked up a joke. And he said, he was right in the middle of it and went, ah shit, I fucked up the joke. And he just started it over again. And now when you watch it, they've edited it. So the genius of him repeating the joke is they went and edited out the fucked up, the fuck up, and they just leave in the retelling. And it's seamless, you can't even tell. Because I saw the rumors was that people were so offended by what Chris said about the Smiths that they that Netflix was going to remove the last 10 minutes of the special because that's where he goes in on Will Smith and Jada. So I'm like, oh shit, that's bullshit. They shouldn't do that. So I went back and rewatched the last 10 minutes. Um, and it's still there. They did not take it out, but they edited the flub. Um, I really enjoyed the special. I think actually the Will Smith stuff was like some of the worst stuff about the special. Um, it was clear Chris had an agenda. It was clear that he was incredibly angry, very angry. When he got into the Will Smith and Jada stuff, he was almost yelling. Uh, and he ended it on that and he like slammed the microphone down on the ground and put his hands up and then took a bow and went backstage. I felt the stuff leading up to that was much stronger and funnier. Um, when he got to the, the, the Will and Jada stuff, I felt like he did it more relaxed mm -hmm. and a little bit smoother at Golden One Center because right. it wasn't going out live to 90 countries. It was just us at the Golden One Center. Just um, us. 
Yeah, just all of, you know, whatever, how many thousands of people that was. But yeah, man, it, it just came off like he was just mad. And some of it was still funny, don't get me wrong. But at one point, I even felt, I, now people are up in arms because Will Smith said the only reason he watched, uh, I mean, Chris Rock said the only reason he watched Will Smith's new movie was to see him get whooped by the slave master. And he was saying like, yeah, massa, hit him again, massa, hit him again. And I know a lot of people are offended by that. I wasn't offended by that. I wasn't offended by any of it. I do think he crossed the line. He called Jada Pinkett Smith a bitch. He said, man, this, at one point he goes, man, this bitch. And I was like, yo, I felt like Will Smith, there was nothing that was off limits. You're mad at Will, get Will, roast him, dude, roast him. And I understand that Jada was part of the problem that fueled Will Smith's anger and caused the slap. But I haven't really heard Jada say anything negative. So when he called her a bitch, I said, dude, if you think Will Smith slapped you before, I would probably, Chris, I'm probably going to say steer clear of Will Smith now. Because when you call a man's wife a bitch, when you call her out her name and you drop that B word, that's like next level shit right there. Like, And I, and I don't care. Like, I don't have any allegiance right, right. to Jada. But I, even myself personally, when he did that, he was so mad and it was just coming off angry. He was like, yeah. and you know what this bitch said to me? And I went like, oh, okay, you're going there. Like, and he, he referred to Will Smith as he talked about how everybody said that Will Smith was a bitch for the entanglement. And they said he was a bitch and so-and-so called him a bitch and everybody was saying he was a bitch, but then he slaps me. But, but then when he went in on Jada and he was like, this bitch, and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, Chris, steer clear of Muhammad Ali from here on out. You know what I'm saying? Like, he makes it a point to talk about how big he is, how how he takes his shirt off in movies, and how he plays Ali, and he played Pookie. Well, yeah, I would I would probably just not run in the same circles as Will Smith, because I, I would... Not a terrible idea. No, yeah, I, it's cool. I, I, I doubt that Will's going to hunt him down or try to find him, but if you bump into him at the club somewhere, it's probably going to be a good idea for you to exit stage left. And I'm a Chris Rock fan. I believe in freedom of speech. Um, but I also believe in, you know, everything's got consequences. And I just, I, I don't, like I said, I'm not a Jada Pinkett Smith fan, but I felt like there was a moment where he crossed the line when he called her a bitch. Everything else was funny and fair game. And I didn't give a shit. But I did think, ooh, I, I can tell you're mad, and I bet if you weren't really upset, that probably wouldn't have happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. But uh, overall, I enjoyed the special, and I, I think if you have a chance, man, give it a watch. It's on Netflix. I thought it was very funny. I think it'll be even funnier because you don't know. For me, I saw them at Golden One Center, so I knew the punchlines to the jokes, and I was still laughing. If you don't know the jokes, you're really going to enjoy it, man, but... Yeah, I just thought about that all of a sudden and figured I'd bring that up. But anyways, uh, Creed 3. Spoiler alert, we're about to go in and talk about Creed 3. So if you haven't seen Creed 3, you plan to see Creed 3, pause the podcast now, go watch Creed 3, and then come back and listen to the rest of the episode because we are about to dig in on the third installment of the Creed world and the Rocky universe, Creed 3. Starring Michael B. Jordan, uh, directed by Michael B. Jordan. It's his first, it's his directorial debut. First time he's ever directed one of the movies that he starred in. Uh, from everything I've heard, directing and starring is incredibly difficult. So it's a, 
It's a, it's a lot to take on in your first directorial debut that you're also the main star of the flick as well. I bet so, if you're schizophrenic, that's a lot easier. It could be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cut! You're an idiot! No, you're an idiot! <laughs> is he yelling at himself? He is. Yes, he is. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, uh, Creed 3, again, I saw it at uh, this time. I did not see it at my local theater. I went and saw it. In oh, world. real quick, uh, just to give uh, the people who are, are, are pausing and stepping away a quick second. Uh, you, you said you went to uh, Ant-Man at uh, the old Jackson Cinema. I did. How, how is it? Uh, it's exactly the same as it was before. They just took all the signs down that say Regal. Uh, so, you know, Nailed still. It. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's literally they this 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 company, Deplace, that now I, that's the name of the company, Deplace. They have bought out what was Regal Jackson Cinemas. And turned it into just it's Jackson Cinemas again, owned by DePlace. Um, yeah, no, no reclining seats, um, no ramped up sound system or bigger screens. It's the exact same theater as before. They just took down any logos that said Regal, and they've changed it to uh, DePlace. And the thing I don't, the one thing I will say that I don't like about it is you know when you used to first walk in the door there was somebody right there that would take your tickets or where you would purchase your tickets and then you would go get your snacks they don't have somebody whose sole job it is to scan your tickets as you walk in right there by the front door you have to go get in line behind all the people waiting for popcorn and then wait for them to scan your ticket which i get what they're doing they want you to wait in line and get your ticket scanned. And if you weren't planning on buying popcorn, once you've sat there for 10 minutes, you're going to go like, oh, maybe I will get some chocolate. No, give me a soda. But I don't like that. Uh, other than that, I'm fine. I've heard a lot of people bitch and complain about um, non-reclining seats. Like, we're all really spoiled with the recliners. I get it. I like it, too. But I also like not having to drive 45 minutes to go to the movies, Like, which is what I've been doing. I've been going to Placerville, Folsom, El Dorado Hills, now I can drive from Ione to Jackson and catch a movie. And if it's not a movie that I feel like needs the 3D IMAX treatment, you know, I'll go to I'll go to Jackson to watch it. And uh, it's nice to have that again. My biggest fear is my wife and I have now seen. We saw Ant Man and the Wasp there, uh, and we saw one other. We've seen two movies there now, two or three. I forget. I've lost track. Um, and there's not very many people there. Like we've been there on a Friday night, the seven o'clock showing, the after dinner show on a Friday night for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And there was like me, my wife, and like nine or 10 other people. So my biggest fear is during the shutdown, right? The people have gone on to other theaters and been spoiled by the bigger screens and the better sound systems and the reclining seats. And they'll bring you drinks and serve you food now that they're not willing to go back and i'm afraid i told my wife both times i like if they don't get more people than this in this fucking place they're not going to make it because where they make their money is off the popcorn and the soda and you know the theater keeps saying hey we'll revamp the seats but we've got to get some money and we've got to get some revenue and we got to start building up revenue so we can turn over a profit and then we can put money into the theater well if people don't show up that's not going to happen and if people don't show up i'm afraid that we're not going to have a local theater because i I, you know, they, they pay for the movie. They pay a lot of money to get the reel to show in the theater in hopes that it will bring people in and they'll buy popcorn and soda and that's where they make their money. And most theaters have switched to now serving food and alcohol because they can make even more money off that. 
So yeah, my biggest fear is if if they don't start, if people don't start going back and supporting, supporting the local movie house, it's it's gonna go out of business. Well, let, well, let me tell you this, buddy. If uh, if you're still here and get Creed three spoiled, yeah, then that's on you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've had time now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're going to go in. Spoiler alert. We are ready to talk about Creed 3. We've given you ample time now. Ample, ample time. So I started on the um, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania review. So why don't you start with Creed 3 and tell me what you thought, my friend? Uh, well, uh, uh, I can make it real simple on you. Yeah. Um, I was entertained. Okay. I can tell you that uh, I was telling this to the lady. Uh, uh-huh. It's funny how, like, when you look back over the years at stuff, like, you'll just kind of notice, like, these people will have their pockets, right? Uh-huh. Like, all of a sudden, they're just kind of hot for a minute. Right. Right? Like, and we're in Jonathan Majors' this time. Yes. You know, oh, absolutely. We're, we're in the Jonathan Majors' pocket. Yes. And uh, so that was kind of, uh, um, it was funny to me just because within two weeks, I just saw two Jonathan Major yeah, movies. Yeah, same here. Know, but, Absolutely. Yeah. Because uh, obviously he was Kang and Ant-Man and Quantumania. So, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I liked uh, Jonathan Major's character. Oh, yeah. Me too. In, in the movie. Um, I am really not okay with them just basically writing rocky out of the entire thing it's a real problem for me yeah um and um it was entertaining and here's the here's the downside to the movie is um it was extremely predictable Mm -hmm. i literally saw every single thing coming yeah every single thing and um that is a little bit of a problem for me because that set, tends to lead me to be a little bit bored or when i get to that point i'm like okay there it is uh, yeah there it is yeah you know what i mean and like it just wasn't very good um it was kind of basic writing for me yeah it wasn't it was very yeah. I, I you know and then um there was some cool things but i felt like it could have been better um, at the end, first of all, very much disappointed that uh, the final fight was in Dodger Stadium, so that's trash. <laughs> but um, they were both from L.A. Yeah, I don't care. On, I don't care. Come on. I don't care. He was um, from I don't care. Inglewood or wherever he was from. Terrible. Yeah. That would be that would, would be what would happen, though. Um, there was this part in the end of the, uh, the final fight between... Um, Creed and uh, I'm blanking out what Jonathan Major's name is. Yeah, it's Adonis and uh, I don't remember his character's name and I didn't pull That's up. my fault. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I Normally I pull up the, ca- the cast list and I didn't do it. That's 100% talking. my fault. Yeah. That's, uh, that's on me. Um, let's go here. My bad, my bad, my bad. Uh, Dame Diamond, Damian Anderson. Dame Diamond is who Jonathan Major's is uh, fighter was Damian Anderson, but he goes by Dame. Dame, that's right. Yep. Uh, so there's this part in the um, in the end where uh, they're fighting in Dodger Stadium, and everything just kind of like goes quiet around them, and all of a sudden the stadium's empty, and they're like, in and it's right. supposed to, you know, um, 
indicate that they're just so f much into the mental part of the fight that they don't see or hear anything around them. It's right. just them two in the ring going at it, right? And I felt like that was too long. Okay. That that was. I felt like they should have flashed back in and out of the, right. the crowd and everything. And then like, but it was like three minutes. Right. Of like just silence and them just being CGI boxing and, you know, everything going on around them. That really was uh, like little things like that. I was to that point where I was bothered about that. Okay. Um, I thought it was, I, I it, it was, it, it, you know, here's the thing for me is if you watch the Rocky movies, yeah, you knew what was happening. Yeah. You know, yeah, they're, they're following a recipe. Yeah. You know, they're following a timeline. They're following a thing. Um, Michael B. Jordan was good in what he does. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jonathan Majors was really good. I thought he played a, a great character. I actually probably like Jonathan Majors' character more than I like Michael B. Jordan. The one thing I will tell you that I liked about this is even though they kind of turned on each other. Yeah. And were trying to murder each other essentially in the ring. Right, yeah, yeah. Even after, and they were like fighting and like, like Damian Anderson played Michael B. Jordan. And like, there was a lot of things that yeah. happened at the end of the day, regardless of all of that, they were still in mad admiration yeah. for each other or yeah. some level of respect. Yes. Because of what they'd been through as children. Yeah. So, um, I, that's very subtle. And if you're not really paying attention, you could miss that. But I thought it was a big thing for me mm -hmm. um and then um not to full spoil the movie um michael b jordan feels like he owes dame because of something that happened yeah. when they were children he's like a ghost from his past that shows up after many many years of not being present in his life right and all of a sudden just turns his life upside down right like, yeah it kind of wreaks havoc and uh <clears throat> The, uh, let's see, uh, Duke, who is Wood Harris. Yes. Uh, Duke is the, uh, the trainer and, uh, I like to see him pop up every now and then. He's in a lot of stuff. Not a lot of stuff these days, but he's in some stuff. Yeah. He's a solid character actor that, that um, does show up in things from yeah, time to time. And, and if, if you'd ever watched this show, you wouldn't know, but, uh, he's a huge role in The Wire. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't yeah. watch The Wire, but I know was, Michael B. Jordan yeah. was in that too. Yeah, when he was a little kid. Too. Yeah, yeah, so he was young. So that's that's I, I I never that put that that two and two together. Right. And I could tell you this: uh, I went with the lady, and uh, Michael B. Jordan's not afraid to take his shirt off. No, he's not. Yeah. So there's that. If you like to go with a lady friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I went with my wife too. She enjoyed the movie as well. Yeah, uh, I uh, bet she did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, it was entertaining. Uh, it's it's um, it's it's. I'm a Rocky guy. You know that. Yeah. That shit really sits sour with me that they wrote him out um, of the this the whole story essentially. They only said him by name once. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and they I referenced. They referenced. Uh, why would. Why would Creed do this for an underdog? And they would reference him a little bit, but yeah. they only said Rocky one time. 
Yeah. And I think that was uh, when he's getting interviewed by the sports guy, right? The ESPN guy. Is that when Rocky gets No, no, no. Up? He mentions Rocky when he's in. Uh, he's downstairs with um, Jonathan Majors. Oh. Before. He oh, yeah, yeah. When they're looking at all the stuff on the trophies yeah, yeah. and the pictures on the walls. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah That's yeah. the only time he says Rocky. Right. Because I was paying attention. So, yeah. And uh, I'll let you give your, 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 your take or how you feel about it. And then yeah. I, I want to circle back to uh, because I was asked, why do you think they did that? And I have an answer, but I would I would like to hear what you think about the movie first. Yeah, it's interesting because they they I've seen interviews with Sylvester Stallone. The rumor was that they were going to kill him off. And I'm really glad they didn't do that. And in hindsight, I've seen interviews with Sylvester Stallone where uh, he said that they've asked him if he wanted to do another Rocky movie still. it's not, And he goes, yeah, as long as I got more say in what goes on with the character. So apparently what I've heard, he did not like this direction that they were taking the Creed franchise. He didn't like this idea for the script. Uh, he had a different idea of the direction they thought it could, would go. And they basically told him like, well, you don't own the character. You created the character, but the movie company still owns the character. So we're going this way. And if you don't like it, man, then see you later. Basically like, and so yeah, he didn't get the opportunity to be in this movie. Uh, and that's just one of the angles that I heard. But anyway, I agree with you. I um, I at least thought what I was waiting to happen in this movie, because what here's what I like. Let me say what I love about this movie is this movie was really a movie about um, facing, taking horrible things that happened in your past and not running from them, facing them head on, taking them head on, talking about them, dealing with them and working them out. And it just so happened in this movie that those two characters that were dealing with this happened to be boxers. But if you really think about it, there's like a fight at the beginning of this movie and a fight at the end. And then there isn't anything, but basically this movie is about uh, him, uh, you know, working out his relationship with his wife, him working out his relationship with his daughter, him dealing with the illness of his mother, and then him dealing with this brother, bigger brother figure that has come back into his life that he feels like he has hurt and done wrong and feeling like he owes him something and is trying to make up for it. So there's a lot of like mental health and uh, and struggling with your past and confronting your past and taking it head on and just learning to deal with that and roll with that and accept it basically and learn it isn't your fault. Because I think at the end, right, uh, Adonis and Dame both realize, look, we were kids. The shit ain't on you, man. The shit ain't on me. We didn't do this. We just had to deal with it. And that, that's basically the realization they come to at the end of the movie. And I actually like that. And you're absolutely right. The strongest point of this movie was Jonathan Majors. His character was so... Uh, he When he first showed up, he was menacing and scary. You knew there was something that should make you nervous about him. But and yet he still was coming off sweet and coming off humble. When Creed offers him money, he's like, no, man, I didn't come here for a handout. I just want to know if there's any way you can help me. I'm trying to get back into the game. I want to be a boxer. And the whole time he's bringing up memories and acting like he cares about what he's doing. He cares about his family. But the whole time, you know, there's something dark and sinister going on inside. You know this guy's not to be trusted. There's something about him that just makes you nervous, even when he's at his sweetest point, talking to the wife, talking to the daughter, reminiscing with Creed about old times. He's 
he's uh, sweet and yet terrifying at the same time. And I know that's not easy to do. And and Majors pulls that shit off, man. And see, then so see, and and I'm and I disagree with that in the sense that I think that he was being genuine, but I feel like he sat there for 18 years in jail for and sure. Felt like he saw Creed do all these things. Yeah. And he got out and he took the hit for him. Yeah, for sure. And he felt like when he got out. This guy needs to go out of his way to make sure that he makes it right for me on some level. Yeah. And then he didn't really. He kind of just shined him on a little bit. And so then that's when I think Jonathan Majors turned. Well, he put him in the, yeah, he, he, he brought him into the gym, let him be a smarting partner, let him train in the gym. But he wasn't just going to give him a shot. And like, I understand yeah, that. Like yeah. the, 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 He's like, I want a title shot. He's like, well, you got to earn that shit, man. You don't just walk in and get a title shot. Like, you got to earn it. And he didn't like that. He felt like he should be put on. And that's when he started to get upset. And he started to turn a little bit darker. But uh, I felt like Creed gave him a, you know, you don't get to train in a fucking professional fighter's gym, like where champions train. That's where he got to spar with the guy who was the current champ that Creed was working with. I mean, I don't feel like there was much more Creed could have done. He had to come up the ranks and fight and, and prove himself. But No, the, I'm not saying that yeah. there's more that Creed could have done. I'm just saying yeah. that Jonathan Majors felt like he should have oh, done more. Absolutely. So that's, that's when he turned. That's what made him so dark and scary because you knew it was coming. Like I, I felt like you knew that that was bubbling up inside of him and you knew that that's what was around the corner, but you were just wondering when the shoe was going to drop and how it was going to happen, when he was going to drop that hammer and come in and get dark on him. And when he did, he was very sinister and, and did it very well. I, I, He was the high point of the movie, 100% for sure. And I agree with you. I, I at least was waiting for, what I was waiting to happen was at least a nod to Rocky. Like somebody saying, hey man, when, when when Creed was really blowing it and having the you know arguments with his wife and and not spending enough time with his daughter, I was waiting for someone to say, "Hey, Creed, how would Rocky feel right now if he saw you?" And have Creed go, "I'm my own man, you know, fuck Rocky, he ain't me, I'm me." You know, I was waiting for that moment, like where he just basically said, "Like, look, it don't matter what Rocky thinks. This is me. I'm my own man." Because I get it. He's in L.A. Rocky's in Philly. Rocky in the first Creed didn't even want to train him. He took him on and did it and then continued to do it in the second movie. But Rocky's back in Philly doing his own thing. Um, they didn't have to have a lot of explanation for that. Rocky's got his restaurant that he owns in Philly. I believe in the first two movies, Creed went to him to train. So now Creed is famous, has his own facility, is living in LA and has family and Rocky don't want nothing to do with that. But a little bit of explanation would have been nice. Like we got nothing, like other than you said, they mentioned his name once. Uh, I, I just I, totally like, like, like this is this massive person in the, like yeah. in this story. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like he, we didn't even talk about him. Creed is a, is is in the Rocky universe. There isn't, a, even though there's three Creeds, they're basically just Rocky eight, nine, and ten. Basically, like let's be honest, I, I don't remember how many how many Rockies we got. Balboa was so, so you six. Got, you got five Rocky one, two, three, four, five. Then yeah, and then Rocky Balboa, Balboa, which is basically which is six. six. Yeah, and then so Creed is Rocky seven, eight because Rocky's in both of those yeah, films. Creed is not Rocky yeah. nine. No, but Creed three is not Rocky nine because there's yeah. no Rocky. Right. But the formula, the pattern that they use is still all Rocky. It's, it's, it's literally it, the Rocky it, blueprint. Yeah, it's, it, they've taken the blueprint and run with it. So I agree. I wished that they would have mentioned 
uh, at least talked about Rocky a little bit more, given him a little bit more of a nod and given him his shine, being that this franchise wouldn't exist without <laughs> without Rocky. There would be no Creed if there was no Rocky. So at least give him a nod. And like I said, that's the moment I was waiting for. I was waiting for someone, his mother or his wife to go, Adonis, what would Rocky think right now if he saw this? And have him go, it don't matter what Rocky thinks. I'm my own man. I'm doing this my own way. And then maybe have him come to the realization that he was screwing up and have a flashback of Rocky like talking to him, training him, and then making the realization that he needs to change. I was waiting for that moment. And I was pretty disappointed that we didn't get that moment. But overall, uh, Felicia Rashad, I thought, did a great job. I love Tessa Thompson in this role. I thought the little girl that played the daughter with the sign language was great. And Jonathan Major stole the show, like 100% hands down. I like Michael B. Jordan, but this was the Jonathan Major show all the way. Um, so I give this one a, a light 209 cosign. I definitely think it's worth watching. If you saw one and two, if I had to rank, I would say for me, Creed 2 is my favorite, then Creed 1, and then I put 3 third. I love 2 because I love the reintroduction of um, of uh, Drago's character. Yeah. Who is, who is in this one, too? Ivan Drago. The son is in yeah, it. Yeah. But I love my favorite moment in any of the three Creed movies is after Creed whoops Drago's son's ass, and they have been shunned like Russia has turned their back on them. They kicked them out of the gym. There's no more money. There's no more limousines because he didn't beat Creed. And then there's that moment at the end where it's Dolph Lundgren's character and his son, Drago and Drago Jr. And they get back up in the morning after having their asses whooped and everybody's turned their back on them and shunned them and no one will talk about them. They get up and they just start jogging together. Like, just another day. Here we go. We're back at it. Back on the grind. So I did love the fact that they brought Drago's son back and it was kind of a Rocky three moment where Creed trained, uh, you know, Creed trained Rocky to fight right. Clubber Lang. You're bringing back Drago's son to help Creed train and prepare for the fight with Dame. So I did like that. But yeah, for me, this is the worst of the trilogy, but still by no means a bad bomb of a movie. Just uh, I, I, if they had just mentioned or gave Rocky the nod a couple more times, um, it could have been a lot better had he appeared in it. This could have been off the charts good. But uh, I think Michael B. Jordan did a great job. I think his first time directing, I think he did. He had, It was a big shoes to fill and a, a lot to take on with Ryan Coogler. So I think he did a great job. But yeah, I give this one the light 209 cosine. I definitely think if you're a fan of the Rocky universe and you've been a fan of the first two creeds, I think you will enjoy this. If you're not, if you're just kind of light and it's not your cup of tea, it'll stream. Watch it on streaming. But I definitely would recommend watching it wherever you see it. Okay. Uh, you know, the <clears throat> there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, talk around the whole why was Rocky written out? Why was he right. out of it? Right. And uh, and uh, let's see here. Sorry. Um, the director, good old Ryan Coogler. Right. Yeah, producer on this one, but yeah. yeah. Uh, Ryan Coogler, American filmmaker, uh, recipient of four NAACP, four Black Real American Awards, 
Golden, Glo- Golden Globe Award nomination, two Academy Academy Award nominations. Uh-huh. Um, education, St. Mary's College, uh-huh. California, Sac State. Oh, nice! I didn't uh, know that. I didn't cool. know that. Yeah, Sac State. Uh, there's a if you haven't go by the the school over there on 50, they throw them up on that. Uh, they got a digital billboard over there by the school every now and then. Okay. On there. Um, anyway, there's a lot of um, a lot of rumors going around that this is something that Kugler wanted because he was trying to basically separate the Creed franchise from right. Rocky uh-huh. and you know given the fact that he's done so much for the uh, African American community and how there's not really any white people in the movie and like right. and, 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 and I don't know if that's really you know that could just you, cause you know how the world is and the sure. internet is and Absolutely. all that stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? but a lot of the stuff that people say it is not wrong right yeah yeah you know like sure I, I was thinking about it after I heard that and I was like yeah, I don't think I saw a white person in the movie until the final fight when uh, they had a couple white guys. And I don't even think they were white. I think they were Hispanic guys in his corner, in Creed's corner, the like the cut man and stuff. Yeah, 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 for sure. And so, hey, maybe that's it. I, I don't know. Maybe they, they just felt like the best way to, you know, separate this from Rocky was... And I get it. It's in L.A. and it's South Central and it's all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But like... I loved the soundtrack, by the way. The music they had in this movie was phenomenal. It made me think of um, You People. Because I really the way they used L.A. as a backdrop mm-hmm. was very similar to You People. And the way they used hip-hop music as a backdrop, that movie opened with them rolling to like Dr. Dre and the car. And I thought the hip-hop soundtrack to this was every bit as important as the actors in the story. And I thought the L.A. backdrop was also incredibly important. It made me, there was a couple times I thought, man, this is like very you people-esque as, as the way they're shooting L.A. and the way they're, the music that they're utilizing in the movie, I thought was a big part of the story. And I, I really did enjoy that a lot. I enjoyed that aspect of the film. I kept, it was funny, you kind of threw me off a little bit because I kept, you sent me the, the song that was in Creed 3, so I kept looking for it as the movie was going on. Like, yeah. anytime a song would come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's literally, it's his training montage song. Yeah. That was it, yeah. So, uh, but like I said, overall, I thought it was entertaining. Yeah. Uh, I will probably never watch it again. Yeah, same. Um, probably it, not. It's, it's, it's... I'll watch one and two way before I would oh, watch Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like, I, I would watch... The worst Rocky movie before I'd watch this. Yeah, um, eh, I I wouldn't watch five again before. Well, yeah, well yeah. then that's just pure Tommy Gun hate. Then I didn't like that one at all. That movie's terrible, man. Even for Yo, Rocky, Rock, you need movie. some help. Hey guys, this ain't a pie eating contest. Yeah, that movie's really bad. I would watch Creed three before I watched that one. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't seen Rocky five in a long time, so maybe I need to go back and watch it. Again. I own it. I got all the Rocky movies for Christmas one year on Blu ray. And I have not watched that movie. So it's still wrapped? It's still... No, I've watched the other ones. I just can't Oh, it's like all together? Yeah, I can't bring myself to watch that one. Are they Blu-ray? They are Blu-ray. Ooh! Yeah, they are. All right. Well, if you're you're invested in the Creed series already, definitely check it out. Am I keeping you up here, Matt? You all right? That's a... Yeah. (laughs) You tired? Creed 3 is putting me to sleep. No, I get it. I get it. Yeah, man. Yeah. We would love to hear what your thoughts were on Creed 3. I'd love to get uh, the opinions from the people. And like I always say, 
Don't be afraid. If you disagree with us, we love that. And we'll mention you on the show and it'll provide great subject matter for us and give us something to talk about. So please give us your thoughts on Creed 3, whether you agree, disagree, think we're morons, think we're geniuses, hopefully geniuses. But you know, We've already determined that yeah. the idiot part of us yeah. is not connected to what we think about certain things. No, yeah, yeah. We can totally still, separate. We can still be idiots and love a movie or hate a movie, and it does nothing to do with it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. Please let us know your thoughts, and we'll, uh, we'll touch back on it for sure. Yeah, so uh, let us know what you think, and uh, Bill, get us out of here, and I can't wait to do the next episode in the Jonathan Majors podcast. Yes, that's right. What movie did Jonathan Majors do that we're talking about next week? Yeah, maybe he's in John Wick 4. He probably is. He's on on fire. Yeah, he sure is. That would be insane. All right, in the immortal words of my man George Clinton, anything good is nasty, but it ain't good unless you play with it. So go out there and have some fun, my people, and until the next time, we will see you in the two Oh, nine. Adrian! Yo.